Hi guys, and welcome to episode five of the Black Lodge podcast. I am, as always, your host, Mark Sheridan. Now, last week, we talked about some of the fears around uh, online learning, some of them perceived and some of them very real. But this week, I want to focus on the exciting strengths and possibilities of online learning. So let's jump in. I think it's generally accepted that online learning offers huge potential, both in improving the quality of education that we can offer and also, hopefully in time, reducing the workload on lecturers. As we mentioned last week, the workload is higher at the moment on academics and teachers because, well, we're getting up to speed. It's been a very sudden and dramatic shift to online learning, and this has been out of necessity rather than careful planning. I think it's fair to say that this shift is long overdue. The writing has been on the wall for something like this for over a decade now. But in a perfect world, it would have been handled much more smoothly and would have been much better worked out in advance. But we are where we are, so we've just got to do the best we can with the resources available to us. So if we can accept that the process with which this is happening is far from ideal, I think what we need to do is shift our focus onto making sure that we get the very most out of all the hard work and effort we're going to put in over the next year and over the next coming years, most likely. I feel it's unlikely we're really going to shift all the way back to just nothing but in-classroom learning in the future. I think a hybrid model is probably where we'll end up. So this is something we're going to have to get used to. My fear is that the approach to a large amount of the work being done this year is just crisis management. Everyone's seeing it as in, what's the minimum we have to do that will suffice for this year, that will get us through this current bump. But the danger of that is that the materials afterwards won't be of much use going forward. And by that I mean you're not going to be able to reuse it, you're going to find that the way you structured it maybe isn't actually that beneficial to you. So while it will plug the hole right now, it's not really maximizing the potential for you. There are a few things that we can do to avoid this happening. And really the trick in that is making our learnings as adaptable and self-contained as possible. And this can be done pretty simply. The first thing you've really got to make sure you do is don't reference the sessions that it's part of. Never start something saying, welcome to session two. I see this problem all the time in academic learning when academics then the next year want to reuse something that they've previously recorded but now they've rejigged the course and so it's no longer session two, it might be session four, or maybe they're combining a couple of sessions together and these references just cause trouble. Yes, you can cut some of them out. Obviously with audio, it's easier to cut out than with video. But let me tell you, even if you were thinking, I'll just re-record that little bit of audio and splice it in, even if you record two different sessions of audio, even an hour apart, I'd say, you'd be amazed the difference in the room, in the sound of your voice. And if you come back a year later, it's just not going to sound the same. You're not going to sound the same. So it will stand out. It won't be smooth. The easiest thing you can do is just don't mention these things directly. Now, this doesn't mean that your learning materials can't reference what session or a title of a session is. It just means you don't want it in the video or the audio part of your presentation. So you could still have it in the opening slide of your presentation because that's easy enough to swap out. But really, I would say try and keep your learnings as self-contained as possible and maybe just reference the session number or the week in either the title of the presentation, like what you've written below it, or even just in text that's on the page before they'd click to play the presentation, because this stuff is very easily changed. 
Really what you're trying to do here is make sure that you're going to have the minimal amount of work to do the next year you come back to this materials. And it may not be that you just reuse this material in another year. You may use this material in a couple of different courses or classes that you're teaching. So with a bit of careful planning at the beginning, you can make sure that it is going to be as easy as possible for you. And on top of that, make sure you don't mention the previous week's work or what you plan to do next week. Now, that doesn't mean you can't mention previous things, but instead of saying, if you remember last week we discussed, you will just say, if you remember the theory of dot 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 or the concept about this, just reference it directly as opposed to giving it a temporal or a time stamp. Now, if you're someone who feels it's important to have that direct connection with previous week's work or to mention, say, next week's learnings, that's actually fine as well. But what I'd say do there is, again, keep it separate from the learning. Film maybe a 60 second intro video. You could shoot it on your phone for next to nothing or even just add the text to the session homepage. So use these additional elements to actually get into those kind of specifics, things that you can easily swap out or change. And another very important thing to ensure that our learnings are as adaptable and self-contained as possible is that before we record, we decide how we're going to break down this week's session, this week's learning. What you need to do is step back and look at your learning outcomes for the current week, for the current session, and break it down into self-contained pieces. It may still add up to a 40-minute lecture, but almost always within that learning, there'll be a number of learning goals. Let's take a very basic example that if in one particular presentation you were planning to introduce model A and then model B and then you were going to compare the two. I would say break this down into three parts. So three completely self-contained learnings, three completely self-contained presentations. So in the first one, introduce model A. Explain it, wrap up at the end revising the core essentials of it. So it's a fully self-contained piece that if I watch that, I know everything I need to know about model A. Do the exact same with model B. And then you create a third learning that poses the question about which of the two models is best. And within that one, then you can compare and contrast. By the end of the student having gone through these three learnings, they'll still have covered all the material. But now you have three distinct learnings that are adaptable and reusable. Maybe in a different course, you will only discuss model A. Now you have a well-structured piece of content already on that, that you can place directly into your new course without having to repeat it all again. Or maybe a year later, there's a new model C that arrives on the scene. Well, now all you have to do is make a video for model C and redo your comparison presentation as well. This can really cut down the amount of work and labor you're going to have to do. And let's not forget that it's also so much more user-friendly from a student point of view. They arrive on the session page and they see a breakdown of what they're going to be learning that week. There isn't one large long chunk. They can see the three or it could be four or five separate sections that they're going to cover. And they can focus and sit down and watch one video. Then they can take a break, make a cup of tea and return and watch part two and part three. Now, I know some lecturers may not like the idea of students taking breaks, but have a look at it another way. You're now controlling where they take their break. They aren't going to pause just before you make your big point. 
they're far more likely to complete a section and take a break at a much more appropriate spot. So you're not giving up control, in fact you're actually gaining it. Psychologically, having three shorter presentations to watch also feels a lot less burdensome than having to sit through a 40 minute video. On YouTube, people are far more likely to watch a number of short videos rather than one long one. Ironically, spending more time watching the short ones, but for them it felt easier because there was less commitment, there was less buy-in. You don't have to like the way people's minds work, but it's worth understanding that that is how they perceive things. And the truth is, we're not there to judge their attention spans, we're there to help them get the information in. And just to touch back a little bit on some of the perceived fears that I spoke about last week, I know some people feel that by breaking up these presentations into smaller chunks, more digestible chunks, that in some quarters there's this sense that it'll be too easy for people to skip back to one section that they want to revise. I'm not sure where this concern really comes because the same people have no issue with books having tables of contents, that treacherous cheat guide at the beginning of books, and don't even get me started about indexes. Obviously I'm joking, but we shouldn't see any potential benefit, anything that actually eases the burden on a student as if in some way it is cheapening or lowering the quality of their learning experience. The easier we can make it for them to access the information, the more time they can be spent learning and comprehending it as opposed to struggling to find it. We don't expect people to read a book from page one every time they want to look something up again because that would be crazy. In the same way, we shouldn't expect a student to have to trawl through an hour-long lecture just to find the piece of information they want. By taking this approach of building up a large bank of self-contained pieces, of self-contained learnings, you will start to build up a library of resources that you can reuse and creatively use in the coming years, which will reduce the amount of material you need to create again and again. Obviously, some courses move quicker than others, and yes, each year, Maybe the information has changed and you will have to re-record, but there are many courses out there where a large amount of the material stays the same. And by reducing the burden of having to repeat those bits, you can focus in and take the time to get the new learnings up to the standard that you're happy with. How many times have you had to give the same lecture on the same topic? This way, if you plan it well and record it well, and recording it well is really important, you can do it once and it will stand the test of time for at least a couple of years. So yes, you're probably going to spend a bit more time trying to get the recording this year, and I know time is very, very short this year, but the benefit you will reap going forward is huge. One of the other strengths that I really like about online learning is the ability to help us address students' blind spots. I know for a fact that one of the challenges with first years in particular is the fact that you have a number of students, sometimes hundreds, coming from a number of different schools with a variety of abilities and experience. Some have a good grounding in some topics while others may not. Everyone has blind spots in their education and I'd imagine it's incredibly challenging for an academic or a lecturer to have to firstly try and identify what these blind spots are, then who has them, and then find a way to address them while not losing the rest of the class. But with online learning, we can really address that by creating a couple of designated podcasts, presentations, videos, whatever it is, lecturers could carry on their classes as normal. And then for any students who are struggling or not as up to speed as the, the rest of the class, they can be pointed towards these materials to be able to catch up. The normal class can continue at the normal pace, but these students aren't left behind and have the opportunity to fill in their blind spots and to catch up. 
particularly over a university education, but honestly, from I would say primary school to secondary school, whether people miss something due to illness or they just didn't understand something before it, it moved on, these blind spots can really add up over the years. So the more we can reduce them, especially at an early stage, as, as early as possible, the greater the benefit to the student and also to the class and also to the lecturer, because they're not going to lose unnecessary time. But now let me move on to what I think is probably one of the most exciting strengths and potentials of online learning. It's our ability to respond and to refine it. I'd imagine that after every year's summer exams, patterns emerge. Some questions are consistently avoided, some are consistently answered weekly, etc. We need to be using that information. We need to be taking advantage of those analytics. It doesn't matter whether we feel we've explained it well in the class. If the exam submissions don't reflect it, then we need to change it. If one area is being consistently answered really strongly, then that's great. We don't need to change anything in that area. But maybe people are making the same mistake on one core concept. We just need to go back in then and change that part of the presentation. It may mean just adding an additional slide to hammer home a point. It may mean just underlying or putting a definition in bold. Or it may mean that we need to put on an additional tutorial to demonstrate a core principle. The point is, we don't need to redo it all. We can make surgical incisions. Then next year, you will see whether that issue has been fixed. And if not, you can tweak it again. Improving and refining the material until we have a polished presentation that is connecting with the students in the way that we want it to. And these refinements don't have to be a yearly thing. You may not need to edit the learning materials at all. Maybe you could just create a new one as supplementary material. If you find a number of students are asking the same question or a class exercise has demonstrated that people are struggling with a core concept or issue, then why not make a short two to three minute video or even better, a podcast where you can directly address that specific issue. Nip it in the bud early. The fact it's a separate piece of material won't bother students and in fact it demonstrates a willingness from the academic side to engage and acknowledge that you see their struggles and that you are there to help. I would imagine that most of the issues that students run into are pretty similar each year. So the more of these separate little additional supplementary materials that you make, the quicker that bank will build up and there will be this wonderful resource that people can jump into. They're also an incredible way of maybe you could get an interview with someone who actually works in an area or not. And so these sort of case studies can be a great chance where people could dip in and actually, after learning about a core concept, listen to someone who actually uses it in their day to day life. By connecting it to a real world environment, it can make it so much easier for people to really comprehend the value of the materials. Too often in academic settings, we're too disconnected from why the information we're learning is important. What I'm trying to get at here with these ideas is that it's not that we're going to fix everything this year. There's going to be a lot to work through this year and it is going to be hard, but that there is this slow but sure build up like the snowball tumbling down the mountain. It will start to build momentum and it will grow. Of course, at the moment, there's so much materials to create, so it can feel very overwhelming. But try not give in to the temptation of just jumping in there and just doing whatever will work for this year. Come at this with a long-term approach, a long-term vision, and help build yourself the kind of repertoire that's going to allow you to reduce your workload going forward, not keep it the same. The challenge with the old system is a lecturer had to go into the lecture theatre 
and say the exact same things every single year to brand new students. Now, what we can do is we can create that base level of learning and then you can spend your time the next year actually creating more interesting or nuanced materials that can go on top of it. There are so many reasons why online learning can really change the way that we work and teach people. I've only talked about a couple of the ideas here today. There are so many more and hopefully we will discuss more on future podcasts. But I just want to start people thinking about what is possible, what's exciting about this and also the little steps you can be taking now to make sure that the material you're doing is going to be as adaptable and as flexible going forward. If you can get the material good and importantly as well, make sure that you record it where the audio is clear and preferably if it's video, the video looks as good as possible. You are going to create great resources. And then when it comes to additional years, you will be able to combine the previous resources you've built and new ones to make really interesting and dynamic and engaging materials. Okay, guys, that's the end of this podcast. I hope you found it interesting. If there's any other strengths or fears that you're concerned about, do feel free to contact us directly and we'll try and address it going forward. I'm very curious from an academic's point of view what they think about these ideas. Are they excited about the potentials? Is there other potentials that they think I haven't mentioned here? Let me know and then we'll discuss it. If you'd like to come on yourself, I'd be more than happy to have you here. Really what we're trying to do here is create a dialogue. At the moment, I know a lot of academics feel like they're feeling around in the dark on their own without the appropriate supports and everyone is going through the same challenges. It doesn't matter what discipline you're in, the, the core fundamentals of this move to online education are the same. And the more we talk about it, the more we'll be able to pull out these issues and be able to address them and also hopefully give other people insights into how they can take from all our learnings and use it for their own and share their information back. I really hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys.